Welcome to the Grace Family International Church Podcast Service. This message is by our senior pastor, Reverend Diola Ojo. Be blessed as you listen. So we started a series that, um, by the grace of God, we're going to continue this morning. So we all know that we need more money. Anybody here needs more money? Huh? Anybody? <laughs> I like that. I like that. Let's try it one more time. I like that. He has a revelation. Anybody here need more money? What he did? He put up both hands. <laughs> hey, look, angels of God, if you are watching, I'm the first one that you need to that you need to visit supernaturally with finances. Alright. So definitely in this season, we certainly need more money. We need more blessings. We need more financial increase and God is more than able to give us the blessings and the increase. Amen. So I want us to establish something today and that is the fact that even in famine you can have unprecedented surplus. Even in famine, even when there's hardship, even when the country is down financially. You can have what? You can have unprecedented surplus. Touch yourself and say, in this famine, in this financial downturn, I will have unprecedented surplus. So I've titled this message, Unprecedented Surplus in Famine. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to look into your word, to receive revelation for today to receive speed that we can run with. That even though there's a casting down generally, for we, your people, there will be a lifting up in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice will will receive spiritual advancement, will receive financial abundance as a result of this message in the mighty name of Jesus. Ahead of time, we give you all the glory and all the praises. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen and amen. So the first thing we need to understand is that life has cycles. Cycles of scarcity and what? And surplus. Life has cycles. From the time of Abraham, we saw that the Bible recorded famines. All right? It's like when you look at all the different times in the Bible, from time to time, there were famines. Famines for different reasons. Sometimes there was famine because the people had sinned and they cut themselves short of the blessings of God and when God withdrew as it were his hand from their land and they begin to suffer famine. All right? Famines too can happen due to climatic changes. All right? Desert is encroaching. It's going to cause famine. If there's too much global warming, it can cause famine. Famine can also come through uh, wrong policies of a government. Famine can come through the wrong policies of a government. So if a government is supposed to be saving, but they are spending frivolously, it can bring about famine. So, but what I want you to understand today is that even when a nation or region is in famine, People in the same place will be experiencing two different things. While some people are experiencing famine in that place, some other people will be experiencing surplus. Amen. 
but they're in the same geographical location. And that's why the Bible says in Psalm 75 verse 7 that God puts one down and he lifts up another. In the same season, in the same cycle. While some people are going down, some other people will be going up. Now, a time of famine can also be a time of surplus. It depends on you. So a time of famine can also be what? A time of surplus. Now just think about this, that if when there's famine, if everybody is in famine, the human race would have been wiped out. So you notice when there's famine, all right, and there's general lack, some people always have the resources. That's how come they can provide for other people. If it's a situation where the whole world is in famine, nobody has stored any seed, nobody has stored any grain, there's no food anywhere. How many of you know there's a limit to human being survival without food? All right? Without food. All right? And without water, there's a limit to the survival. So if it is not that some people have provisions somehow, everybody will be dead. Now, God always blesses his own people during famine. What happens in famine is that minority have what majority needs. That's actually why we call it a famine. Because if everybody has the money, the food, the resources, then there'll be no famine. But what happens is when there's famine is that majority of people now lack what's what? What minority? What a few people have. So generally we then say, oh, there's a famine in the land, or there's a financial scarcity, or there's structural adjustments program, hello, and all kinds of names that we have called it in our country over time. I did establish the fact that God always blesses his people. I want to give us examples. When you looked at, look at Isaac in Genesis chapter 26, the Bible says there was a famine, but Isaac was going to Bela, but God said, stay in this land, I'll prosper you. And the Bible says in that land, he sowed, and within the same year of famine, you reaped a hundredfold. Okay? So, we've seen God bless his own people in famine. Then, if you look at the story of the four lepers in 2 Kings chapter 7, there was a famine that was so severe, so, so severe, there was no food anywhere. It was like the whole country was about to be wiped out because of hunger. And then, the prophet said, by this time tomorrow, there's going to be so much food. And he even stated how much the food was going to be sold for. And then there were those four leprous people who were sitting at the gates. And then they just got this revelation. Why do we sit here till we die? We go to the city. There's no food in the city. We die. But we go to the Syrians. There's food with the Syrians. Let's take a chance. And let's move. Okay? And the prophecy of God met them when they moved. And they got there and there was so much food. And there was also wealth in that place, okay? And then what happened as a result? Of course, they finally announced to the king, and um, the king sent some officers to go and check. They verified that it was true, and then the people had food, according to the word of God. Then we know the story of the widow woman in 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 1. And then, of course, we're familiar with the story of Elijah, all right? In 1 Kings chapter 17. We're familiar with the story of Elijah. We know that first Elijah was fed at the brook and he was fed by ravens. God, you see, God can use both the natural and supernatural ways to feed us during famine. Praise the Lord. 
And then when the brook dried up, did God stop working? No. God now said, okay, fine. Shift base. It's time now to go to a widow. I mean, this is the one I'm going to send you to. It's going to be a widow. Now, you know that naturally speaking, if there's famine, the last person you go to is a widow. Because she herself, she's basically depending on support from people. And he saw the widow, the widow was just, just gathering sticks. It was supposed to be her last meal. And then he said, okay, you know what? Get me some water. Um, she was going to get it. I said, okay, bring cake with you. The widow was like, what? Bring cake? In fact, let me just tell you my situation. I have just the last, last bit for me and my son. And the prophet said to her, go and prepare it. Bring it to me first. Thus saith the Lord. Ah, the cruise of oil will not fail. The barley of flour will not cease until God sends rain. And the Bible says, she obeyed the prophet and she and her household, they ate for many, many, many days. Okay. Now, let's go to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to read from verse 10 to chapter 13 and verse 2. Okay. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10. <laughs> this one is a very interesting story. And there was a famine in the land. What was in the land? Famine. There was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was what? What was the famine like? Was it pleasant? Was it okay? Was it good? No. The famine was what? Grievous. Very heavy. Very uncomfortable in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold, now I know that you are a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see you. So that just lets you know the people in Egypt were black people like us at this time. Alright? And that's why a fair woman would be like a rare oddity. Anyway, back to the message. <laughs> okay. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see you that they will say, this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will save you alive. Say, I pray... I pray you that you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and my soul shall live because of you. And it came to pass that when Abraham was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman, that she was what? What was the woman like? She was very fair, okay? The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he, he entreated Abraham well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. And Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this that you have done unto me? Why did you tell me that? She, why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? So I might have taken her to me to wife. Now therefore, behold your behold your behold your wife. Take her, and what? And go away. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away, and his wife, and all that he had. And Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abraham was what? Abraham was what? 
Abraham was what? Very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. So, what happened here? Okay? He went to Egypt looking for food, but of course he knew that these Egyptians, they are not disciplined people. You see my wife? They were going to want to take her. So he made an He told a partial truth, actually. Because the, you know, his wife was actually his half-sister. So it was a partial truth. You know, later on with Abimelech, he told the full story. So anyhow. When the king, who should have known better, thought he was marrying his sister, what did he do? The Bible says that, verse 16 of Genesis chapter 12, he entreated Abraham well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen, and he has her men servants and maid servants, and she has his and camels. So he gave Abraham a lot of things. They call it dowry, isn't it? But an excessive amount of dowry that elevated Abraham's financial state. Now, what I want you to understand is that for God's people, farming is a time of exchange. Farming is what? A time of exchange and wealth transfer. A time of exchange from those who have to those who don't. Farming is a time of exchange. Then it's also a time of wealth transfer. All right? I'm going to, I'm going to come to that. So, let me focus on this issue of wealth transfer briefly. So what happened? There was transfer from the wealth of Egypt, of Pharaoh, to Abraham. Whenever there is famine from unbelievers, God will do wealth transfer to believers. Amen? Even when they think they are trying to wrong you, or they are trying to cheat you, all that will play out is that there's going to be collection of their wealth from them. Are you listening to me? The Bible says they may gather, but not of me. Everyone that gathers against you, what will happen to them? They will fall for your sake. That's what will happen. Because with this economic thing, there are some people who are doing calculation, unbelievers, of how they can take your money. And God, God, God just smiles at them as they are plotting. God smiles. He's the one they have. And God is going to take from them and transfer to So wealth transfer happens. Then, of course, for believers, a time of exchange. A time of exchange from those who have as believers to give to those who do not have as believers. Okay? Look at Acts. Acts chapter 11, verses 26 to 30. Acts chapter 11, verses 26 to 30. And we will take a few points here. Now, I found out that sometimes some believers, when, when one is talking wealth transfer, sometimes some believers think of wealth transfer in terms of wealth coming from a believer to them. No. The Bible says the riches of the unjust is laid up for the just. The Bible does not say the riches of the just is laid up for the just. Am I communicating? Yeah. So, you can't be thinking the wealth of your, your brother or your sister is going to be transferred to you. That's not true Christianity. <laughs> That's not true Christianity. That's like you're wishing them bad. See, the truth is that God has enough resources for all of us. Tell your neighbor, God has enough resources for all of us. 
Say, I don't need to take your wealth before I become wealthy. Amen? All right. Are you in Acts yet? Are you in Acts yet? Acts chapter 11, let us read verses 26 to 30. So the Bible says that um, in the church in Antioch, you know, people were having revival. Christians actually were called Christians first in that church in Antioch. And then some prophets came from Jerusalem, and one of them was Agabus. And then Agabus signified by the Spirit that there was going to be a famine. The New King James Version calls it dirt. So that means scarcity, okay? That means lack, right? And so the Bible says that when they heard that prophecy, the believers, everyone according to their own ability, decided they were going to do what? They decided they were going to send relief to the brethren in Jerusalem, which they also did by the hands of Paul and Barnabas. They sent it to the elders for the entire church that was in Jerusalem. Now, listen to this. When that prophecy came, nobody told them what to do. Hello? I said, hello? When that prophecy came, nobody told them what to do. Because you have to be able to separate prophesying from prophet lying. Some things are prophet lying. So if Agabus had given that prophecy and he had said, so therefore now, gather all the money together and give to me. That's prophet lying. That's going beyond what God says. That's taking advantage of the people. And I'm sorry to say, there are lots of fake pastors, fake ministers now who will prophet lie to get every money they can get out of your pocket, especially now with this economic downturn. So protect yourself. Protect yourself. Amen? As a believer, we already went through the series of divine direction. I believe that was last, you know, knowing the will of God and all that. I think that was last month, isn't it? So, you know, you should be able to hear God for yourself. There's going to be a dearth. There's going to be a famine. You will know in your spirit. Of course, God could have also given them instructions on what to do. But the interesting thing was, because Agabus came from Jerusalem, right? When he said there was going to be famine, he said the famine was going to be all over the earth. And the Bible says it actually came to pass uh, in the days of Claudius, okay? So it was something that was going to come to pass. Now, you know, even if he said, okay, so send something to Jerusalem, because he's from Jerusalem, hmm, we will begin to put a bit of question mark, right? Also take note that when the church decided to send that relief. Number one, they didn't send it. They didn't give it to Agabus. They didn't send it through Agabus. What did they do? They sent it through their own pastors, their own leaders. That's how they did it. For integrity and accountability purposes. That's the way they operated. And what was the established pattern that they had in the church in Jerusalem? Anybody who wanted to give anything to the brethren laid it down at the apostles' feet. And the apostles gave instruction about the distribution of things. That's how they operated. There was so much trust. And there was balance. And when there was even going to be an issue, when they now saw that oh, some widows are now being ignored, that belonged to a particular group, then they, the 
Apostles then decided to select some people. And then they told the people, look, select amongst you. And they gave the qualifications. These people have to be honest. Never put a dishonest person with the treasury. You won't like the results. Never put a dishonest person with the treasury. There are some people that you can't even leave five naira. What's the smallest denomination in Nigeria now? Not five naira. Or there's no more five naira. Ah. There's no more five naira. Really? There's no more five naira. Wow. Okay, what's the smallest denomination now? We really are in scarcity, we're in famine. What's the smallest now? Ah uh-uh. ah. 50 naira. There's no more 20 naira. There's no more 10 naira. There is, but it's not worth anything, so nobody's bothering with it. Well, anyway, so let's say 20 naira. There are some people that that 20 naira, as it seems worthless to so many people, you can't leave it around some people. Even if they are sitting there and the money is here, somehow, before one hour is over, that money would have moved. <laughs> we call it tapping. They have tapping properties. Tapping. Mm, somebody say, hmm. Praise God. All right. So, this wealth transfer, this unprecedented surplus, how does it happen? So, the first one, since I already started talking about it, so let me make it the first point prophecies. Prophecies. Pay attention to prophecies. Church prophecies. Pay attention to it. You know, even for Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 5, God had spoken to him. This land, I'm going to give it to you. Okay? When you pay attention to prophecies, you are able to war a good warfare based on prophecies that come from God. Amen? All right. Now, you find out that there are lots of prophecies that have already gone ahead of this church. For example, God has said that for anyone that joins hands with the vision, what will happen? You will never be poor. You will be blessed financially. So you want a good warfare based on, on that prophetic word. You want a good warfare. Let's welcome the Ubiorahs. <laughs> We're so excited there in church this morning. <laughs> The priest and the princess. So gadget. <laughs> Don't they just look so cute? <laughs> good morning. How are you doing? And their big sister. So good to have you. So good to have you. Looking. <clears throat> Glory. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> All right. So I was talking about the fact that there are prophecies that have gone ahead of us in this church. You, you key into those prophecies. Amen? You hold on it, into those prophecies. Now, I began to perceive yesterday 
that as believers, a lot of us need to go into farming. I'm talking about farming, okay? Agricultural planting of crops and products. And there's this thing that I came across, because some of you may feel, oh, but I don't even have, I don't have any land. Do you know that you don't need land to plant some things? Okay, so there's this new thing that they've started now. I don't know how many of you have seen it or you're aware of it. They plant yams in sacks. In sacks. Okay, so it can be like a cement sack, rice sack, those kind of sacks. So you can research it and find out how they do it. So people are living in urban areas and they are growing their own yams. Within five, six months, they harvest the yam and they eat it. Now for those who have land, consider prayerfully a Greek. Now I remember a few days ago, um, there's a couple, um, one of our leaders, I met them outside as they were coming into church. And as I saw them, you know, I just had this revelation that, you know, their son will be involved a lot with feeding everybody. But then yesterday, God ministered to me that a lot of us as church members should prayerfully consider family. Okay, you have a piece of land you're not using for anything is lying fallow. There are things that you can plant on that land. If you've already been toying with it, but you're just not sure, some of us, is like we just keep procrastinating. You can get people to even farm on the land. Amen. There can be people that you pay. To help you for, of course, you'll have to visit the farm from time to time. But what I'm trying to tell you is that you don't necessarily even need to become a farmer and go to the village before you start cultivating crops. But that's something that God and I think is bearing witness with some people. Maybe some of you have been perceiving it before, but um, that's something that God said I should tell you. Okay. Praise the Lord. Divine revelation is very important because you will notice that before a farming starts, it's like God always prepares his people. God always prepares his people. There's a farming coming. And you always find out that God's people, because of that preparation, they're always exempt from that farming. It's like God preserves. God preserves them from that farming. Um, let me tell you another, another experience that I had I think that was um, two days ago or so. So I was reading a passage of the scripture and it was about Israel. And that passage of scripture had to do with protection and all that. And as I, you know, read that scripture, I just, it was so strong. I just saw this revelation and this, you know, iron dome that, you know, it was like there was an attack in Israel, but there was like protection also. I saw that that thing was so strong. I said, okay, well, thank God they have the iron dome. And then by the time I got back home yesterday, 
I saw that early in the morning yesterday, Israel was actually attacked. So I also feel that this period, we need to be more sensitive. Amen. The way we're praying, we need to increase our, our, our prayer time. Our sensitivity, God will speak to you from the scriptures. The scriptures will come alive to you. And he will show you what is about to come. Amen. He will show you what is about to come. And as this different kind of upheavals will happen in the world, you need to be very prepared spiritually. You also need to go into famine. Okay? So take note of those two things. The way we're so laid back, even in this church, we're getting more and more laid back. I challenge you a little. A lot of workers who know they should come to church before seven. Some of them strolling in for second service. Laid back. That being laid back is dangerous. You have to be able to pick certain things in your spirit. You need to be in the right place at the right time doing the right things. No matter how anointed we are, we can't be with you everywhere. We are not spirits. We can pray for you. We can cover you. But there are some things you must be able to pick in your spirit yourself. And you can't pick up these things if you are not sensitive in the spirit. You can't. Most of you will not even come for midweek service. You always have one reason or the other why you won't come. You see, these days that we have entered in, you need to use every opportunity you can find to be in church. Let me also say to you, if you are unable, either because of wealth or because of um, geographical location, to physically come to church, you can have online service. But online service is not church. Amen. I know there are people watching me online. You are way, way better than people who are still sleeping in their bed and they won't even tune into any church service. Alright? But as soon as you can, you must come to church and gather with the believers. Now, let me also tell you what the devil is doing now. You see the way these petrol prices are going up and then they come again and they say, oh, they're going to increase price and they deny it. But we know from experience that usually when they deny things, isn't it? They end up doing those things they deny. They've just used the denial to prepare you. <laughs> so what's, going, what's beginning to happen now is that because of this wealth scarcity, a lot of people are making him feel like, it's okay if I don't come to church. No. That's a tactic of the devil. Now remember when Agabus prophesied, the people were in church. The people were in church and then it's signified by the spirit, this is what's going to happen. Now let me say this to you. There are certain things that you have to be in the very meeting to experience. Okay? You see, now that I've gotten my Christianity to a point, I've been saved now for over 40 years. I've been born again. I'm not planning to backslide. But I found out that, you see, this Christianity is getting to a stage now where it's like the younger generation don't even understand what Christianity is. Christianity is not about your convenience. It's not about your convenience. The fact that God saved you from hell he saved you, made you his child. You become his, his slave. You surrender your whole life to him. That's what it means to be saved. God now begins to run your life, not you. 
But the way a lot of Christians are still living, they are using God. God is not using them. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I need this. God, I need that. No, that's not how it works. You come to that point of salvation, wretched, miserable you. What less you? God saved you. In spite of all your sins, in spite of all your imperfections, God saved you. He brought you out of the miracle. He set you upon the rock to stay. Now you get to a point where you now say, God, you own my life. And God has promised the thoughts that I think towards you, they are thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and an expect. You can be sure that in his will, it's a, it's a good plan. It's a wonderful plan. But you have to be in his will. So what I'm saying to you is that even for your own good, you cannot continue to live your life on your own terms. Leave it on your terms. You take some decisions that are wrong, it's going to affect you. And some of it will affect generations coming after you. Selah. So in that service, all of them were there. Let me say this to you. If we will make ourselves more available actually to God, even as a church, God will do more. God will do more. If we will serve God with genuine hearts, pure hearts, more sacrifice, God will do more. It is well with us in Jesus' name. Mm. Somebody say, hmm. Right. So number one is prophecies. You've got to pay attention to prophecies. Genuine prophecies, pay attention to it. General prophecies, pay attention to it. Amen? All right. Number two is the promises. You've got to know the promises of God to his people and to you as a person. You've got to know the promises of God to his people and to you as an individual. If you look at Job chapter 5, Job chapter 5, verses 20 to 22, very quickly. Are you getting anything from this message? All right. Job chapter 5. The Bible says, In famine, he shall redeem you from death, and in war, from the power of the sword. You shall be hid from the scourge of the tongue. Neither shall you be afraid of destruction when it comes. At destruction you will and famine, you will what? You will laugh. Neither shall you be afraid of the beasts of the earth. At destruction and famine, you will laugh. Why? Because you know that God is keeping you as the apple of his eye. You know that no evil will befall you. You know that no plague will come near your dwelling. So you laugh. You realize it's a plan of the devil. It's a distraction from the devil. And <laughs> I know how it's going to end. Amen? By the end of this famine in Nigeria, I will be by far richer. Who, who, is, who is receiving that? Who is declaring? I'll be by far better. I'll be by far greater. I'll be by far wealthier in the mighty name of Jesus. This famine in Nigeria is for me. It's a time of wealth. What? Wealth transfer. Wealth is going to be transferred to me. Who is receiving that? Say amen. Right. Look at Psalm 37, verses 18 to 19. Psalm 37, 18 to 19. So, let me just give you this revelation. So, anytime you are worried. How many of you are sometimes worried about money? Sometimes. You better tell the truth. <laughs> sometimes I'm... No, you know the funny thing. Generally, I never worry about money. Generally. Even when I was a student, many years ago, and my father said, because I was speaking in tongues, and I'm born again and all that. You will not give me money for school. 
All right, just said, the, the, the Holy Spirit will buy. I said, okay, the Holy Spirit will buy. And I left the house. I was not worried. I ate, went to school, did everything I needed. Of course, I need to tell you, I was saving before then. Hallelujah. Okay? Right. So, but then, a few days ago, I just became so concerned about money. Became so concerned. Ah! To the point of worry, I didn't want to do anything. I'm just so concerned. You hear about cement price, you are wondering. You hear about this, you are wondering. You hear about that, you are wondering. Mm. Somebody say, hmm. I had to get back to the word. Well, first of all, and it can be a secret, first of all, I slept. <laughs> You know why? Because I found out that sometimes when you are physically tired, the devil attacks you also. Yeah, emotionally. So the first thing I did was to fall asleep. I canceled everything I needed to do. And I slept. Sleeping can reset the clock, even the spiritual clock. After sleeping like that, and I woke up and I now went back to my Bible. What does the word of God say? Amen? So you now key from that worrying into what? Into laughter and dancing. Everything is going to be alright. Whether the devil likes it or what? Or not. Let me also say this to you. Do you know you don't need to not have money before you begin to worry about money? Oh yeah. I know. Okay, some of you are trying to relate. Don't worry. you find out. That's why you find out that some people are millionaires, but they are still worried. <laughs> you don't need to not have money before you are worried. And you see some people who don't, they've never had a million in their lives, yet there's absolutely no worry. Eh, well, it's mm, gas is whatever. Maybe that's even what triggered it all. He told me that all the gas, we have like four or five cylinders of gas. All the cylinders are empty, apart from this one we're using. I'm like, eh, let's go and check it. We checked everywhere. You know that. Let's check it again. There must be gas there. We never leave our gas, you know, um, without um, without refilling. I didn't even bother asking for the price of gas, but I think somebody had told me that it has gone up. Abby, everything has gone up. You want to buy chicken? It has gone up. Gas, petrol. Ask for that petrol. is well with us in Jesus' name. We will still drive our cars. Amen? Ah, I saw two buses. Was that yesterday or day before yesterday? Ford, Ford buses. I think that was two days ago, I think. I saw them like, hmm, if well that this thing will be, will be consuming. And I don't know why they were following one after the other and they don't belong to the same person. One was white, the other one was black. How many of you know Ford consumes a lot of oil? But we still buy the fuel. If you have a Ford car, you will still buy the fuel. If you can sell the car, sell it and buy another one. <laughs> so I say practicality. Practicality. Hmm. I was telling them in it, but I don't think I got to that when we had the couples um, program in Lagos. How, when we were growing up, you know, some of you may need to, for, for a while, you may need to adapt your food table. When we were growing up, how many of you ate meat more than once a day? 
More than once a day. Every day. Every day. Are you sure? Okay. I saw two hands. I'm not sure. I think you need to review it. What did you have for breakfast? What did we used to have for breakfast in those days? Eh? Oh, bless you, Jerry. Which bread and tea? <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. Okay, sometimes. Eh? Sausages, bacon, and ham, jelly, I trust. <laughs> yes, growing up too, we had that, but that was not all the time. Our parents would also give us what? Pap and what? Akara. Or pap and moi moi. Isn't it? Yes. Then sometimes they would give us what? Yam. Eh? Yam and what? Fish, yam and palm oil. Then they sprinkle salt on top of the palm oil for you. Then the yam, when it's well, we it absorb some of that palm oil. You, yeah, 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 yeah. What are you talking? Waiting the fish sauce. This one is modern time. Fish sauce. They didn't make fish sauce at that time. Ah, palm oil. When they wanted to add sophistication to it, they gave you granite oil instead of palm oil. When it came to lunch, what did they give us? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's like Gary and Kuli Kuli. <laughs> that one was snack. <laughs> Usually they gave us Gary, but it was Eba, isn't it? They gave us Eba, but most of us did more of Amala. How many of you remember Lafu? Ah, the laughing that you will do like this, the thing will be fighting with you, you'll be fighting with it. You <laughs> did laughing. Hmm? Yeah. And then for dinner, what did we have? For dinner. Echo and moi moi. Come on. That's what we did for dinner. A lot of times. You don't remember. So they did two, they do two. Of course, sometimes they gave us rice. Hello? Eh? Beans and cassava. God bless you. Yeah, they gave us a lot of beans for dinner. That's true. We did a lot of beans for dinner. So realize that usually they typically gave us meat or fish for lunch, usually. It was the exception that you had that for dinner. Your breakfast and your dinner was less protein more carb. It is well with us in Jesus' name. So what am I saying? If you need to adjust your food table a little, adjust it. Some of your children don't even know how to eat a cup. I'm not talking about pap. I'm talking about the, you understand, uh-huh. that one that you add, uh-huh. the one that you cut. Add moment to it, chop them, or you add a carrot to it, chop them. Sometimes they give us tea with it. Okay, it's good training and good memories too. Good memories. Because the thing is, when they gave you that echo and moment, it was always sufficient, Abby. You ate as many of it as you wanted. Going right back. <laughs> so the Bible says that at destruction and famine, what will you do? Just laugh. This one too, it will come to pass. It always comes to pass. So I said we should quickly go to Psalm 37. 
Psalm 37, I need to speed a bit right now. Psalm 37, verses 18 to 19. You know one thing I found out about children? If you don't worry, they don't worry. And sometimes even when you worry, they don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, and they are happy with whatever. Amen. So if you are always positive, whatever it is that you give them, they are happy with it. They enjoy it. And they just go on playing. Playing. Right. Psalm 37. Are you there? The Bible says from verse 18, the Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fire of lambs. They shall consume into smoke. They shall consume into smoke shall they consume away. The wicked borrows and pays not again. The righteous shows mercy and gives. For such as be blessed of him shall what? Shall inherit the earth. They will inherit the earth. We will inherit every good thing that is upon this earth in the mighty name of Jesus. And they that because of him, the Bible says, shall be cut off. Let me show you one more scripture. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 11. Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 11. Praise God. I love this scripture. The Bible says, and the Lord shall what? Guide you how? Continually. And satisfy what? Your soul in jobs. God will satisfy your soul. And make what? Make fat your bones. And you shall be like what? Like a well watered garden. And like a spring of water whose waters fail not. The Bible says God will satisfy your soul. In scarcity, you will be satisfied in the mighty name of Jesus. When people are losing weight, you'll be gaining weight in a healthy manner. Praise the Lord. I'm building muscles in the mighty name of Jesus. It's the promise of God. We will hold on to these promises. Amen. All right? Number three. Number three. So the first thing I said to, for us to experience unprecedented surplus in famine the first thing is that we must give it to what? Prophecies. Number two is what? The promises of God in his word. Number three is planting. All right? In planting. You notice the believers, as soon as they heard there was going to be farming, what's the first thing they did? They decided they were going to give. That's what they decided to do. They decided they were going to plant seed. Why did they decide to send money to Jerusalem ahead of the farming? Number one was they understood that if you plant seed, you will also have harvest. They understood that. And that's why immediately they tied it. Immediately, as soon as they were, they were, they heard that, you know, prophecy decided, no, I'm going to plant seed. Now, what's the normal thing when you hear famine is coming? What's the natural thing that you would likely want to do if famine is coming? It's to what? That's the natural thing. But they went against that natural thing. They keyed into the supernatural. And so what they decided to do, they decided to do, I beg your pardon, was to give. They decided to give. You see, in this economic climate, you cannot afford not to give. You cannot afford not to sow seed. The natural thing is, ah, I'm not going to pay tithe anymore. You cannot afford to not tithe. You can't afford it. Are you listening to me? You have to pay your tithe. 
And because the temptation will be much nowadays, tithe first. Tithe how? First. Because if you don't tithe first, there will be a tendency you will not tithe. <laughs> as soon as the money is getting to you, whether it's your salary, whether it's a business, um, you know, increase and all that, the contract, even when you get a contract, they've not paid you fully. But you have an idea what your, um, what your profits will be. Calculate from that percentage that they've given you. Okay? Do you understand? So let's say now your profit is going to be 100 million. Say amen. But what they've released for you now is 20 million. Okay? And you already know that, okay, the profit at the end of the day will be what? Will be 100 million. You now calculate, okay, how much do I need to start executing this project? So maybe the first stage of the project, maybe I'm going to use like 15 million. So meaning that there's a five million that is what? Part of your profit. So from that five million, you tithe immediately. You tithe immediately. And that means the flow will continue. So they understood that. And the first thing they did was, whoa, let's give immediately. So plant. You plan to prepare ahead. You plan to go ahead of others even before the famine hits. You go ahead of others even before the famine hits. Okay? And then let's remember what God has spoken to us by the Spirit. That apart from planting seed of money, we should also do what? We should actually plant real seed. We should plant real seed. Amen. Next, number four is prior preparation. Prior preparation. There are things that you must do before farming eats. So the believers must have had resources for them to have been able to give the resources as soon as the prophecy came. So you must form the habit of saving. You must form the habit of saving. You must. And there should be some savings. You probably have heard me talk about this before, but bears repetition. There should be some savings that even you cannot touch until a particular time. If you find out that you tend to be a spendthrift, don't save your money in your own name. Look for somebody who is by far richer than you, who is trustworthy, who is very good with financial management, and you can keep the money in that person's name. Okay? Preferably a relative. Praise the Lord. If there's a problem, don't come back and meet me. So check your spirit. You know, I, I'm not the one that selected the person for you. Did I select the person for you? All I've done is I've given you counsel. Look, people have a track record. We have all kinds of relatives. There are some relatives that if you put butter in their mouth, the, the, that butter will not melt. Are you listening to me? Yeah. How many of you have some relatives like that? Hmm? And there are some that you don't need to give them the butter. They will go and fish it from wherever it is and finish all the butter. You know. Alright? And remember, the person should be by far richer than you. Take note of that. So it's money they can give back to you at any time if you need it. There are also some kind of investments that they already tell you when the investments will mature. And there's nothing you can do to get that money out before that time. However, let me balance that. But see, some people, eh, they will hear all the things you've said. And then they decide to pick some that is canal. 
know what some people will now hear that? Hey, hey, some investment. They will now carry all their money, including their tithes. Including their offering. Including even the money they should use to feed their own family. I'm going to put that kind of investment. <laughs> Convention is coming. A pastor, you know, if I went to the bank to tell them they should release this money, they have refused. You, know, you knew when you were putting it there that they will refuse. So you cannot put all your money like that. Hello. Are we getting something here? All right. So the Bible also says they gave according to their ability. Acts 11.29, they gave according to their ability. So take note that you have to develop your ability. You have to develop it. There are some things God will do. There are some things you must do. How many of you have seen this miracle before? That you just opened your mouth. You are very hungry. You are very, very hungry. Any, anybody has ever been very hungry? Anybody? I've been very hungry. Sometimes you are very, your stomach is growling, everything. Ah! You just, I'm so hungry. This hunger, this hunger part is serious. God, give me food. You just open your mouth. Yam just dropped. Rice just dropped. Anybody? Has it ever happened? Will it happen? No. No. God doesn't work like that. So when you are hungry, what do you do? You go and get the food. And you take the food and you put it where? Into your own mouth. And then you chew it. And then you swallow it. That's how things work. What I'm saying to you is that there are certain things. Sometimes some believers can over spiritualize things. Say, God is coming. God is coming. No, there are some, God has already come. <laughs> there are some instructions God has already given you that He already expects you to do. So if you don't do it, don't blame me. Tap your neighbor and say, Don't blame me. Tell, tell your neighbor, I'm not your enemy. Don't blame me. You do the right thing. Amen. All right. Okay. Let me go to the next one planning. Planning. But the believers decided to send relief to the brethren through their own leaders. So they planned. They had a structure. They had a pattern. They had laid down things. Okay? If you're going to come out of famine and enter into unprecedented surplus, you're going to come out of famine into an unprecedented surplus, you have to have a plan. Laid down, written down, structured plan. Sometimes you may need to adjust that plan. But at least start with a plan. I found out that God works best with those who have a plan. Amen. And it is those who have a plan who can start something and finish what they have started. So you must plan. You must have a pattern. You must have a structure. You say you want to build a house this year. And we're trusting God for people to build a house in the next, by next year, July. We expect to be dedicating houses. Amen. New houses. Praise the Lord. But there has to be a plan. This is when I'm going to start. This is what I'm starting with. So you look at what you have. Amen. And you know, you don't necessarily have to start with a skyscraper. You have the money for a skyscraper. You have millions of US dollars or pounds standing. I know you say you want to start with that. But generally we advise start small. You learn from, you know, the first thing. You learn from the first thing. Amen. You know, even when it comes to this farming, don't go and start, except you've studied a Greek and you've worked in an agricultural company. I won't advise you to take all your money and go and start with 1,000 hectares. Start small. Are you listening to me? So that you, you, 
gained the experience. You know how this thing works. Praise the Lord. Then you move to the next phase, to the next level. I always say this, never tie all your money into a business you have not proved. Even if I'm the one that prophesied to you. You have to prove it. The Bible says prove all things. And then what? Hold fast to that which is true. You've never gone into pigree farming. You can't say you're going to start pigree farming. You now want to start with 500,000 pigs. It doesn't work that way. You don't know anything about it. Say, I'm going to employ people. How trustworthy are those people? How many years have you had interacting with them? Amen. Start on a scale that would allow you to gain experience. When you've gained the experience, then you can do it bigger and bigger and bigger. In Jesus' name. Finally, positioning. Positioning. You've got to be properly positioned. Don't miss your time of visitation. And that's why I said to you earlier that you have to be more spiritual. A lot of things. You have to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right things. The blessings then come. The benefits then come. See, some people who are not looking for jobs, who just happen to be in a particular um, office at a time when they needed somebody to fill a position. Then they're like, ah, by the way, are you even doing anything? Say, I'm not doing anything. Look, somebody just is and we need somebody urgently to fill this position. And you're like, ah, okay, what's the job about? They tell you, finally, it's something you can do. Maybe it's even something you've done before. But you don't have a job presently. Maybe you are doing business, or the business is like, you know. And I'll say, okay, fine. Can you feel in this position right now? Say, yes, I can feel the position. Can you start today? Say, I can start today. Say, how much is the salary? We'll pay you 500,000 naira per month. That's happening because you are what? I'm telling you things that have happened to some people. You're in the right place, at the right time. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and you just have a perception in your spirit about some things. Because you pray more about it, and then you move with the spirit. You move with the spirit. You move with the spirit. And then you now find, oh, at the end of the day, when the whole thing plays out, oh, this is why God was leading me like this. And there are other times that you want to do certain things, and there's a scratching in your spirit. There's something that just keeps going off like an alarm. Wah, 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 wah. Hello. And then that means that if there are some things you are rushing into before, you pause. What's this alarm I'm feeling in my spirit? What's this knowing inside of my belly that is telling me to be careful. You pay attention to that, you find out that, wow, my goodness, I just saved myself from a lot of heartache. I just saved myself from a lot of financial loss. Now, nowadays, you see how people are churning out all kinds of letters and emails and text messages telling you, come and invest in this. Come and invest in that. Prove all things. Who has invested with them before? How long has a person invested in them before? How much has a person made? How truthful is the person? who has invested with them before. Whatever you are not sure about, inside here, you don't have to do it. Amen? What you are sure about, inside of you, and that you have proven over time. That one, follow that leading of the Holy Spirit, and you'll be blessed. There will be a lot of wealth exchange, wealth transfer, during this time, when there's a family. A lot of us are going to handle money we have never handled before. This is the doing of the Lord, and it is marvelous in our sight. Before any famine comes, God always sends provision ahead. But as that provision has been sent ahead, we must be in the position to tap in and receive all those provisions that God has meant for you. You will not go under. You will go higher. You will prosper more than you have ever prospered. You will handle things that you have never handled. You will go to places that you have never gone to. You will relate with people that you have never related with. You will start businesses that you have never handled before. And at the end of it all, 
you will laugh and you will rejoice because God will make your bones fat in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah, glory. Let's rise up on our feet and let's lift up our hands and let's ask God to speak to us. Ask God. Ask God. Breathe upon the word that you have just heard. Holy Spirit will quicken certain things to you. That by this you may war a good warfare. Let's make a commitment to God to seek Him more. To seek Him more and to be more sensitive to the Spirit. If you're here and you're not born again, it's a good time to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you ask God to forgive your sins, He will forgive you and He will save you. Or perhaps you are backsliding and you need to make a recommitment back to God. God is also willing to receive you and to accept you. But for the believers, I want us to affirm that during this time, we will prosper more than we have ever prospered. There will be enlargement in every area of our lives. There will be increase in every area of our lives. It will be a time of unprecedented surplus and increase. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. I also want you to pray this morning that God will use you to be a blessing to people. As those believers sent relief, that God will use you as someone who will be able to send relief unto others. Let's pray. If you desire it, God will make it happen. If you desire it, God will make it happen. Let's pray and let's talk to God. for people who have any kind of debt. Every one of us praying, this is between you and your God. This is between you and your God. If you have a debt, you have a debt. Maybe the people you are even harassing you already. You have a debt and you would like to repay that debt. I want you to place your hand on your chest. I want to pray for you. You are owing people money. And you want to trust God today for provision to repay that debt. I see the hands. Keep the hands on your chest. Everybody pray. Everybody pray. Everybody talking to God. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for provision for each of these people who are owing others. I pray they'll be able to clear all their debts even before this year is over in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, oh God, that you will perform a financial miracle for each and every one of them that will enable them to pay off these debts in the name of Jesus. And I pray also for supernatural provision, for increase that they will not continue to owe, but they themselves will now be the ones giving out to people, even out of their abundance in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Let's celebrate Jesus! Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. Please follow us on our social media handles. 